0: The Bible reading today is from John chapter 21, and I'll be reading the whole chapter. John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said to them, we're coming with you. They told him they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. "'Cast the net on the right side of the boat,' he told them, "'and you'll find some.' So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one that Jesus loved, said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.' When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them. The one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is it to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumour spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die, but if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written.
1: Thanks heaps for having me along to open God's word with you. And uh, thank you so much for your support of CMS. Um, It is very much appreciated. Uh, God's obviously put global mission on your heart as a church. uh, And that is a beautiful thing. Um, really really glad we've got a bit of chance now to think together about mission from the scriptures Uh, and even though we can't get together in person uh, let's let's pray as we get into it Uh, heavenly father uh, thank you for your grace and mercy uh, and the way you've poured it out on us through the lord jesus christ Uh, we thank you for your mission to save an abundant multitude from each and every nation and as we turn our thoughts to this right now, we pray you'd give us attentive minds and receptive hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you've ever stepped back and thought about the big picture of the growth of the global church, uh, but it's, uh, it's a pretty incredible story. Uh, Jesus starts his ministry in Galilee with uh, just this little backwater in the north, uh, north of Judea. Um, he ministers for three years. And by the time he's crucified, he's got 12 disciples and a wider crew of about 120 followers. Um, in the scheme of things, it's not quite nothing, but it's next to nothing. Uh, at the time, just in the Roman Empire, Uh, let alone the wider world, there were thousands and thousands of temple cults and religious sects and shrines and movements. Um, If you were looking on from a distance, Jesus is a nobody. Um, You'd have every reason to think that this crucified Jewish peasant and his little band of followers would just fade away into obscurity, kind of washed away into the sands of time. And yet 2000 years later, Jesus is not forgotten. Uh, In fact, right now, there's more than two billion people on the planet who self-identify as Christians, just under a third of the world's population. Uh, The growth of the global church is a truly incredible story. Uh, Just within the first generation of the church, within 30 years of the Romans putting Jesus to death in Jerusalem, there were so many Christians in the city of Rome that the Emperor Nero was burning them at the stake at his royal garden parties, trying to get rid of them. Um, If you wanted, you could tell the story of Christian mission and just focus on the incredible growth of the global church uh, and the courage and the conviction of God's people. Uh, That's one way to tell it. But personally, part of what I love about John's gospel is that it takes you behind the scenes and it gives you the backstory, warts and all. It doesn't pretty things up. Uh, For me, that's how I want to hear it. That's what John 21 is doing. Um, Think about it like this. Uh, When you're reading through John's gospel, by the time you get to the end of chapter 20, the overarching story of the gospel is fully resolved. Um, Back in chapter 18, you've had this dramatic tension as Jesus gets arrested and his disciples do a runner and Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. Um, In chapter 19, Jesus gets crucified. Uh, But then in chapter 20, everything gets sorted and resolved. Jesus is resurrected and he gets back together with his disciples. Uh, He appears to them twice. He shows them the scars in his hands and his side. Um, John specifically tells you that the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Uh, Then you get this climactic commissioning moment. Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Surely that's closure, right? Uh, You could wrap the book up right here. Jesus has done his thing and he's commissioned his disciples to do their thing. Um, If you know Matthew's gospel at all, You know, that's exactly where Matthew's gospel ends. The last two verses uh, in Matthew's gospel are the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, You think that John's gospel is following Matthew's lead and wrapping things up for us when you read the last two verses of John 20. Uh, John says, um, it's John 20, verse Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, Surely that's the punchline, right? It sounds like a rap. The credits are rolling. The gospel is out there. The rest is history. That'd be neat. But life is not neat mission is not neat. Uh, John doesn't pretty stuff up. So he gives us chapter 21. Um, It's this seminal moment for the mission of the church and it doesn't exactly get off to a flying start. Uh, You might know that originally Peter and Andrew, James and John were all professional fishermen. That was their family business. But when Jesus called them to follow him, they turned their backs on the family business and became fishers of men. For three years, they travel around with Jesus. uh, They preach the gospel and they live off the generosity of the Christian community. That's what life looks like for them now. They've left fishing behind. And in John chapter 20, Jesus sends them out in the power of the spirit to continue his ministry. But then John 21 opens And they've gone straight back home to Galilee and they go fishing. Um, There's this real sense that they've regressed. They've turned back to their old way of life. Um, Back in chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus calls the disciples brothers. Then when they go fishing in chapter 21, he doesn't call them brothers. John 21, verse 5, he says, children, you don't have any fish, do you? Uh, In Greek, the word is uh, paideia. It's where we get the English word pediatrician. Um, It's the word for little kids, for for infants, for toddlers, for newborn babies. Uh, Jesus is gentle, but for the disciples, this is a rebuke. They were maturing in Christ. They were brothers, but they've become children again. Uh, I don't don't know if you ever thought much about this. Uh, We we do it a bit in our culture, but in some cultures, names are meaningful. Um, Often they're descriptive. Uh, A name will tell you critical information. Um, Back in 2019, Katrina and I were uh, in East Africa, in Kenya and Uganda, prepping to serve with CMS, and we noticed this all the time. Um, I'll show you what I mean. Uh, Check out the minivan that's on the left, this photo. Um, that's the just-in-time taxi service. Um, or here, uh, right near the middle of the screen, this is the new nice butchery. Do you want old meat? Do you want rotten meat? No, you don't, you want new meat. You want nice meat. This is the shop for you. Um, I'm not sure how well you'll be able to see this one. Um, we saw this on the main road uh, coming out of Kampala in Uganda. Um, It's meaningful in a slightly different kind of way. But it definitely tells you something about where the owner of the shop is coming from. This is the God's Mercy Metal Workshop. In East Africa, you see shops like this all over the place, the God is Gracious grocery store, the Jesus Christ is Lord paints. Um, Anyway, it's um, like, I love it, right? But um, it helps us think about meaningful names. Um, back in John chapter 1, Jesus meets Simon. And he says, John, 20, John chapter 1 verse 42, um, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Before he met Jesus, Simon was known in relation to his dad, who ran the family fishing business. He was Simon, the son of John. But here Jesus gives him the name Cephas or Peter, because it means rock. Peter is rock solid, devoted, unshakable. That's his name. From that, from this point on in the story, it's inscribed into his identity. From John one onwards, Jesus calls him Peter or Rocky for 20 chapters. Um, If you know what Peter's name means, if you know its significance, the way it paints him as a rock solid, dependable disciple, then you feel the weight of John 21 verse 5, uh, verse fif- 15 I should say. Um, Jesus doesn't call him Peter, instead he's back to Simon son of John. John 21 15, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John Do you love me more than these? Um, This is a confronting moment for Simon. He's been commissioned and sent out by Jesus. And yet he's returned to to his dad in Galilee and gone back to work in the family business. Um, Really, part of the question here is, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Simon Peter or Simon son of John? Um, now, follow that thought for a moment, right? Um, when Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? Who are the these? Um, one possibility is that Jesus is asking like, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? You know, so it's a comparative question. Like, are you the most devoted disciple? Uh, that's, that's possible. Uh, in the past, I've thought that's what Jesus is asking here. But as I've been reflecting on Jesus' question in, context, or in the context of John 21, I reckon Jesus is asking, Do you love me more than you love these fish? Um, you see, Peter's just returned to Galilee. He's back in the family business. He spent the entire night fishing. There's a net full of fish lying in front of them on the beach. Verse 15 is clear that they've just finished eating. Um, In effect, I think Jesus is saying, do you love me more than you love your old life as a fisherman? Because if you do love me more, then you ought to stop fishing and start shepherding my sheep. Um, Right here, Jesus says it to him three times. Verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, don't turn back to fishing. Step forward as a shepherd. Um, I I don't know how you feel about mission, but if you find it hard, if you're a little reluctant to boldly step forward into the harvest field, I think it's good to know that you are not alone. Uh, The point here in John 21 is not that Peter was a flaky apostle and that's why he went AWOL. That's kind of why he checked out and went fishing. John 21 is making the opposite point. Peter doesn't represent the worst of us, the most flaky. No, he represents the best of us. Jesus named him Peter for a reason. He was actually rock solid. The point is that even the best of us, the most big-hearted, bold, Jesus-loving, mission-minded go-getters, even they can lose their nerve. Even if you're an apostle who's personally seen the risen Christ, even then there's a temptation to just check out and go fishing. If you find mission a little daunting, you are not alone. But fundamentally, This is a story about repentance and restoration and love. Uh, In the foreground here, Peter has checked out and gone fishing. And sitting in the background is the story of Jesus' trial before Pilate, where Peter denied Jesus three times. Um, That's why Jesus gives Peter these three precious opportunities to reaffirm his love. Of course this is hard for Peter um, repentance, reconciliation that stuff is always hard but here, here, here Peter's grieving at his own sin um, words of repentance they they don't come easy but at a fundamental level it's it's beautiful. Jesus doesn't just forgive Peter more than that he entrusts Peter with care of his flock when Jesus welcomes Peter back into the fold. He makes him a shepherd. This is a story of restoration. It's also a story of love. Um, At some level, Peter really does want to retreat to his old life as a fisherman. Long term, why didn't he? Well, Jesus asks him, Do you love me more than these? Um, Here the reason Peter steps forward to care for the sheep is the same reason that we should step forward to care for the sheep. It's about love. If you know Jesus is the Good Shepherd who laid down his life for you, if you love him, then you do what you can to care for his flock. Now of course, All of us will have really different gifts and opportunities and circumstances. None of us are apostles like Peter. Um, Caring for Jesus' flock, going after the lost sheep and bringing it home, for us, for each of us, that's gonna take really different forms. But we all do it out of love. What opportunities has God given you? Uh, Opportunities to Witness to friends or family or neighbors. Where will love lead you? Uh, When it comes to global mission, uh, CMS talks about the opportunities to pray, care, give, and go. Uh, No matter what your gifts and circumstances, there's ways you can be involved. Love might lead you to pray. Um, If you're not a member, join CMS and get your hands on their prayer diary and the monthly prayer points they send out each month. Uh, It's a beautiful way to share in the labours of people serving in mission all over the world. Um, We might be in lockdown, but God's not. And he hears our prayers. Um, There's practical ways you can care for people serving in mission. Um, You talk to Murray or Isaac or Rachel or someone else on the TAC leadership team about how you can be involved in that. Um, Love might lead you to give financially to support ministries in the wider world. Uh, We can't serve God and mammon. God's blessed us richly and He calls us to generosity. If we love the lost, we'll delight to partner in mission. And for some amongst us, there might be opportunities to go, whether it's short term or long term. For some, there might be an open door to serve further afield. Would you be open to that? Pray, care, give and go. Where will love lead you? Uh, Now, on the flip side of things, there's something that's useful for each of us to know about ourselves. Um, For each of us, we ought to know, like for me, what does that temptation look like to check out and go fishing? Um, For all of us, whether being a Christian for 50 days or for 50 years, there can be a temptation to live as if the whole Jesus thing never happened. Uh, To go back to an old way of life where we're not actively involved in caring for the flock in some form or another. Is there somewhere you want to retreat to? What's that look like for you? Uh, this, this can be a hard one to answer because um, it's not like there's anything intrinsically wrong with fishing. Like fishing is great, right? Um, it's just that for Peter. It represented his retreat from caring for the flock. Um, maybe for you, your retreat looks completely different. Maybe you don't retreat by fishing. Maybe you retreat to safe Topics of conversation or comfortable circles of friends. Um, before lockdown, it might have been uh, a holiday home or going to the gym or maybe it's a hobby or watching Netflix or getting things done around the house. Um, now, of course, like there's totally a place for those things, right? Don't misunderstand me. Those things are wrong. But the question is, how do they function in your life? Like, do you retreat to them? Do you hide away there? For all of us, Jesus asked the question, do you love me more than these? Will your love for the Lord Jesus lead you to step forward in his service to tend the flock? Do you love me more than these? Um, Now, so far, we've thought a bit about Peter's failure of nerve. And we've seen Jesus call him to step forward and tend the flock, right? Um, In verse 18, uh, you get an incredible picture of the way things play out for Peter. Uh, Check it out, John 21 verse 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't wanna go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Uh, Tradition has it that Peter was crucified by the Emperor Nero for following Jesus. Uh, He told his executioners that he wasn't worthy to die in the same way as Christ. And so they crucified him upside down. Um, This is how Caravaggio depicted it. Um, Now, when they crucify you the right way up, Um, Eventually your arms tire and so your lungs collapse and you die from suffocation. Um, When they crucify you upside down, I don't know how exactly it kills you, but eventually it would. They just leave you there until you're gone and I'm sure it was a torturous way to go. So uh, what do you think this is doing here in John 21? Like what's the point of Jesus telling Peter that when he's old, he'll be executed. Well, um, this might sound kind of crazy, but um, I think what you've got here is actually a word of encouragement. Um, In the context of John 21, the point is that even though Peter's heart falters just like ours, uh, even though his courage wavers just like ours, still it is true that he does actually love the Lord Jesus. And by the power of God's spirit, at the end of the road, Peter will still be clinging to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Three times Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus is affirming that. Effectively to tell Peter that when he's old, he'll be executed is to tell him that when he's old, he will still be following Christ. Um, For Peter, who's already stumbled and backtracked, This is a word of encouragement. Christ went alone to the cross. He alone is the faithful one. He alone is our righteous saviour. But by the power of God's spirit, he holds his people fast. Um, Ultimately, no one can be plucked from his hands. No one slips through his fingers. Um, This is a theme that's run right through John's gospel. Jesus strengthens his people even in the face of death. Um, This is the daily experience of Christian believers all over the world. Uh, In 2019, when Katrina and I were visiting some Bible colleges in East Africa, we spent a week at Uganda Christian University. Um, And I saw this notice in the foyer of the theology department there. Um, Not sure how clearly you can read that main paragraph in the middle, But it says this, it says, this memo is a reminder to be watchful about security. Um, In the past few weeks, several people have been kidnapped and or brutally murdered. Some of our students have not been spared attacks. Such attacks come unexpectedly, calling for alertness at all times. Terrorism is never far. Attacks come in the form of bombing, murder, arson, or hostage taking, do not be complacent. Um, now, I, um, I guarantee you, you will not find a notice like this in the foyer at Moore College in Sydney or at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Um, here in Australia, this is not our experience of things, but in so many parts of the world, this is the daily experience of God's people. Life in general is dangerous. But if you publicly identify as a Christian, that puts you at extra risk. It makes you a target. But undeterred in dangerous and difficult circumstances all over the world by the grace and power of God. Your brothers and sisters in Christ care for the flock. They reach out to the lost. They study God's word. They sing God's praises. They call on Jesus' name it's beautiful remember them in your prayers pray that god will keep strengthening them to follow the lord jesus but above all give thanks that just like us they have a good shepherd who laid down his life for them a good shepherd who will never leave them or forsake them a good shepherd who can even bless his flock through the weak and wayward labours of people like Peter, like them, like us. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we we praise you for your abundant grace and mercy to us in Christ. Uh, We thank you that you take weak and wayward people like Peter and like us, and that you don't just forgive us, You welcome us into your family. You fill us with your spirit and you use us to care for your people and reach out to the lost. Uh, We pray now for ourselves and for all your people, especially those who suffer for your name. Uh, We ask that you would fill us with love and strengthen us to step forward in your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.